You're listening to a special edition of On the Record, online with Eric Schwartzman, the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C., featuring conference keynote speakers, panelists, and newsmakers. To join PRSA or register for the conference, visit prsa.org. My guest today is Susan Neely. She's the president of the American Beverage Association. Susan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So I know you're going to be uh, on a panel at the conference um, in D.C. on Sunday, October 17th. It's a lunch panel at 1 o'clock called Shaping the Debate, Public Affairs Strategies and the Healthcare Reform Bill. Uh, What are your expectations? Uh, What are you going to talk about? Well, it's a good opportunity with a group of professionals to to talk about strategies that are effective, not just in advocating a point of view around a big issue like healthcare reform, but I think really in every kind of issue advocacy work now. So I look forward to sharing a little bit of the wisdom we gleaned with our efforts on behalf of the beverage industry and uh, and mixing it up with the group. Now you were uh, originally at the White House, right? I was. I've had a, a, a some wonderful opportunities in um, public service, uh, both working as a congressional staffer, working uh, as a gubernatorial staffer, and then uh, had the opportunity to serve in the administration at the White House after September 11th and worked in Homeland Security for about three and a half years. So it's interesting that now you're at the American Beverage Association. How, how did that happen? Well, I... It, Prior to my service at the White House, was I were a couple large associations that focused on health policy. I like association work. I think it's very important, very meaningful. And you find when you get into the, the guts of the issues that health issues and food issues are very close cousins. It's the same, uh, many of the same um, congressional committees, congressional staffers, media, um, Consumers, these uh, are the important consumer groups. Uh, health issues tend to be and uh, women. Uh, same with food. So, um, if you would give us just a sort of an overview of the American Beverage Association, and if you would give it to us from the standpoint of a of a communications professional. Well, the American Beverage Association represents both the manufacturers and bottlers and distributors of non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, said in a more uh, interesting way, think of your favorite brand, uh, uh, Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, Tropicana, Minute Maid, Gatorade, Powerade, Snapple, um, Sobe, Life Water, um, Adwala, Red Bull, um, Nestle Water, you name it, we probably represent um, what about What about Dr. Brown's? I just want to know if you represent my favorite, Dr. Brown's. Dr. Brown's, um, we do, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay. That's a that's a niche beverage. Uh, well, one, as we all know, as consumers, the um, uh, explosion of beverage choices in the last decade has been amazing. Uh, think of a think of a flavor you might want to have with bubbles or without bubbles, and it's probably out there for you. So it we seems do like represent a, Dr. Brown's. It seems like a great business to be in because it seems like so much of it is just marketing, and when you look at 
any of the reports of which categories of industry spend the most on advertising, beverages is always right up there. The reason I love representing this industry and, and running their trade association is you 're getting at the the heart of it um, it is a it 's great to represent a consumer product industry um, it 's a very grassroots kind of product. everybody has an opinion on they have their favorite as you do ones they don 't like they they do like uh, a, a new model that 's coming out. And the people that run these companies, the people that are on my board, are very savvy about marketing and consumer attitudes, and that is so helpful when we're crafting an issue strategy because you need to be tuned in to the consumer um, in order to be effective. So um, let's talk about childhood obesity because it's a hot topic. Uh, the First Lady has her garden. It's been uh, you know one of her campaigns. How has the sort of consciousness, the national consciousness, the raised national consciousness of childhood obesity as a problem impacted the beverage industry? Well, I think anybody who manufactures food or beverage for a, a, a living has been drawn into the debate over what's at the root of, of the obesity crisis. And it, it, it clearly is a national crisis. Um, the estimates from CDC are that one in three children um, born today will ultimately have uh, type 2 diabetes, which is a, a, one of the diseases that can, that's directly correlated to obesity. So it, this is a problem for our country and for other countries around the world. So if you are manufacturing a food or a beverage, you become part of the, the debate because you know, what do we know? Why are people overweight? They're, they're eating too much and not getting enough exercise. So we are engaged in lots of forum um, where the discussion is, should we, what, what can we do as an industry to be helpful in fighting a national crisis? So what about a corn syrup? Uh, people always say, oh, it's corn syrup. It's a, it's, that's the problem. Is it corn syrup? What's, what's the deal with corn syrup? Well, corn syrup is one of the sweeteners that is, are used in, in beverages. Um, and, um, and there's no deal about corn syrup. It's, it, it breaks down exactly like uh, uh, sugar does. Um, Sugar or corn syrup as a sweetener in a beverage has calories. So that's, there's nothing that is, and, and this is backed up by the American Medical Association and other um, distinguished um, bodies that represent scientific and medical groups. There's nothing specific about corn syrup as a, a source of calories. It's just calories the same way sugar is. So when you're talking about obesity, the, the issue is that we need to watch our calories better. And the question that is posed to us by policymakers and others is, what can you, as beverage manufacturers, do to help people watch their calories? We're doing a number of things. We have we talked about the, the choices that are out there now. Um, have a thought. There's probably a beverage um, to, to meet your thought. We've reduced calories in our beverage portfolio by 21% in the last decade, and that number is only going to come down. There's so many more choices out there of low-calorie or zero-calorie beverages. We, as part of Mrs. Obama's initiative, are going to start putting on the front of every bottle and can 
um, the exact number of calories that are in that beverage. So you'll be able to decide, hmm, I, I love the taste of this, so I'm going to go ahead and have those calories uh, today, and I'll need to you know, walk an extra mile in order to enjoy those calories. Or I'm watching my weight, and I don't want so many calories, so I'm going to pick this this flavored water that only has 10 calories, and that will be my choice today. So this front-of-pack initiative that we announced in February with Mrs. Obama is our, our big next thing that you'll start seeing roll out about the time of the, um, of the uh, PRSA meeting. So I went to my brother's for a barbecue yesterday. He said, bring drinks. I brought Coke Zero and Coca-Cola uh, in cans, because I like it in cans. And my niece said, oh, no, I won't drink that Coke. I, she, I said, why not? She said, I only drink Mexican Coke. I said, why don't you only drink Mexican Coke? She said, because I don't like the high fructose corn sweetener. And I heard they were going to change to sugar. Is that a rumor? Or is Coke going to change to sugar? Uh, well, the, the, the sweetener used in, in Coke uh, manufactured in Mexico is sugar. Uh, Coke here uses uh, corn syrup. But again, they... they in terms of their chemical composition, I think your niece is, uh, is misguided. They break down exactly the same way, um, which is why there's a Coke Zero option or a Pepsi Max option that, that has a similar flavor to the, the full-calorie beverages but is sweetened with a, a zero-calorie sweetener. What is Coke Zero? Because I love Coke Zero. What is it? Uh, well, Coke Zero is just it's a – it's – I think Coca-Cola worked to make a beverage that tasted a lot like the original Coke Classic, but is sweetened with a zero-calorie sweetener. So it's no sugar, no corn syrup in it. It's a, a different kind of sweetener. So it's for uh, people like yourself who say, I don't want so many calories, but I still want the taste of a Coke. And, and Pepsi has a similar product as well. Let me tell you something. They nailed it with Coke Zero. Okay, so I was doing a little research so I could bone up and be ready to talk to you. And I see this uh, report from UCLA Johnson Comprehensive Cancer Intake that says that a study found that pancreatic cancer uses fructose to fuel their growth and that contrary to conventional wisdom, cancers process fructose differently than glucose. You saw this too, I would imagine? Um, yes, but I think that study is, um, I think as it was a, um, diagnosed, uh, lacks some, uh, some thoroughness. So I, I don't think people need to be worried about uh, any after effects. Uh, as I said, there's other uh, bona fide medical organizations and scientific organizations that say there's no problem with the corn syrup as a um, as a sweetener in a beverage. And then in the same story, San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom encouraged residents to make it a soda-free summer. I wonder, do you think that hurts his prospects for a presidential bid? Well, President Obama has spoken to the fact that, that uh, has said what we know to be true, that the public doesn't like the idea of uh, attacks on soft drinks, um, and they like their soft drinks. Um, we see that over and over in public opinion polls. Again, it's a very grassroots product. People also don't like the idea of government telling them what to eat and drink. Um, you know, we need government to do a lot of things for us, but not to get into our grocery cart. And so I think it could hurt uh, uh, anybody's um, electoral prospects uh, who takes a position on here's what you should and shouldn't do. 
This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders, or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com, also available for iPad and Kindle. So um, this is a show, for the most part, for business people and communicators, and we try, I try to steer clear of politics. Um, I really would be interested to know, I know you guys spend a lot of money lobbying Congress. What I'm curious to know is, is social media growing as a way to lobby? Are you guys using social media in a capacity to show, to demonstrate to legislators the number of voters that support certain issues? And can you talk to us about that at all? Well, I think social media is growing as a component of any um, comprehensive communication strategy now, whether it's issue-directed or product-directed. We began really developing our social media capability a year ago at this time. Um, Interesting for all the practitioners that uh, are um, viewers of your podcast, we didn't spend a huge amount of money, but as it as compared with other associations in Washington now, we are among the leaders. We have had a very, we have a very, very strong following on Facebook and YouTube and um, and on Twitter. I, I think the things that have made it successful for us is that we're we're active in, particularly with Twitter, we're engaging in the conversation. We're pushing out articles that we think are helpful if we see um, facts used in in stories that are inaccurate, we challenge those. Um, And we have a lot of um, things that we can talk about as an industry and association that are concrete, so we push those out as well. So for not much money, we have built a very powerful capability. So back to your question, does it matter in issue campaigns? Yes, it does, and I think it's a very powerful tool that we're using very aggressively. You're in the Beltway. You are, you know, a former White House staffer. So this—that's your world. You understand, you know, the, the, the inside the Washington bubble. And what I wonder is, do you think social media will change the way lobbying gets done? Uh, right now, you know, my understanding is that the lobbyists uh, focus themselves primarily on the legislators. But I wonder, do you think lobbying in the future will be about uh, organizing? groups online that then show support to legislatures rather than direct directly uh, you know working with them now I think it just becomes an, an, an important part of a comprehensive strategy like any comprehensive uh, communications or issue strategy it's there's there's not one piece of it there, there's not one um, tactical element it's a combination of tactical elements that are you know, centered around a message and uh, appropriate timing and messengers and so the social media is an increasingly important component um, what has happened I think say more broadly in the last um, decade uh, or 15 years I'd say it's broader longer than just one decade what's happened in any kind of issue advocacy and lobbying work is that you increasingly need to be involving the public and voters in order to 
make your case as a business interest to the elected leadership. It began in the mid-90s with television as a important component, and that was new to lobbying efforts. But television and grassroots, um, the old direct mail uh, kind of uh, grassroots, did not supersede the importance of face-to-face contact with elected officials and their staff as well. Times evolved where TV and grassroots uh, are, are just common tools and strategies, and now you add the social media. And it's an important one, but it's not the only one. When you look at uh, the industry as a whole, um, you know, the industry obviously getting uh, its word out there uh, through, mostly through advertising, being such a big advertising force. And now so much of that advertising shifting to Facebook and to Google and to these consumer-generated media online, the social media, do you think ultimately that um, the beverage manufacturers and marketers are going to be moving more aggressively uh, into this space and, and ultimately vacating uh, the world of advertising? and? If so, I mean, that would be cataclysmic on the publishing industry and the, the, the broadcast industry, I would think. Well, I think the, you have to present those kind of questions to the, these heads of marketing of these major companies who are asking themselves this, these kind of questions all the time and I know have some strong views on it. Certainly the ability to target that social media gives you, and it's also such an a essential way to engage younger consumers or younger voters in terms of how I think about it. I mean, obviously, it's going to play a larger and larger role. But there's no question that you know, television uh, and the more traditional forms of advertising have a place, too. And, um, you know, how that all evolves, I'll, I'll defer to my uh, marketing colleagues. But certainly for the world that I know, issue advocacy um, the traditional broadcast media have a very important role to play. Susan Neely is president and CEO of the American Beverage Association. She will be appearing on a panel at the Public Relations Society of America International Conference 2010 in D.C., and she appears on Monday. And uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to do this interview. Thanks so much. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to a special edition of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, post a comment to the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at On The Record, or send an email to eric at ericschwartzman.com. This podcast has been a special production of On the Record Online and the Public Relations Society of America. Unlike normal productions of On the Record Online, this episode recording cannot be duplicated without explicit permission from PRSA.